Net-A-Porte presents the Incredible Women podcast. Series one, celebrating togetherness. Hello. Hi, Mimi. Hello, Sandra. How are you? How are you? Long time no see. Understatement, definitely. Um, Yes, any excuse to talk to you, hey? (laughs) I know. Welcome to Celebrating Togetherness by Netta Porte. I'm Sarah Bailey. In this series, we are joined by pairs of incredible women as they share intimate moments, memories, and some much-needed laughter with their loved ones. In a year like no other, these are stories about life in 2020 and beyond and the strength we draw from togetherness. In this episode, we spend time with firm friends, Sandra Choi, the creative director of Jimmy Choo, and the musician and DJ Mimi Zhu. Their relationship was forged in the fabulous world of fashion, where the pair have often worked and partied together. They relied on each other in moments of fashion madness, always glad to have a familiar friend to laugh and dance with. As 2020 has thrown the fashion and creative communities many challenges, they have both been thinking differently about life and work. And for the holiday season this year, both have been able to experience many Christmas traditions from around the world. Sandra spent her childhood living in Hong Kong, but now enjoys looking for Father Christmas with her children in Lapland. While for Mimi, childhood memories of month-long celebrations in Copenhagen contrast with the dreamy escapism of grown-up Christmases in Ibiza. But there are always some traditions that never go away. I mean, we haven't seen one another for so long. Yeah. But remember those days when we first met? Well, we met in Ibiza, didn't we? It was over lunch. Over lunch, amazing seafood lunch. It's always about what we ate. Yes. And then so we just bonded. It was completely outside of the fashion circuit. It was, yeah, on holiday, really. Well, I heard so much about you just because there's this um, highly spirited Chinese girl that was always been mentioned. And that was the fascination of, oh, I wonder who Mimi is. And you showed up for lunch and I was in awe of it. And, and that's, that's how I remember I had a girl crush, I think. <laughs> that, was, that was many moons ago. Things that evolved and that we became friends because of the fashion industry. We kind of always ended up together somewhere. Um, in, yes. And so, yeah, that's how our friendship built. But that's you because you're very much a social butterfly. And on top of that, I was just looking back to um, the last time we spoke. I think more than often, I always tend to text you and goes, are you going to this? And if you're going there, can we go together? Can I meet you there? I mean, you're always that. I can count on you. That, that, that's, that's why that friendship was there. That's exactly, because we're desperate to find actually interesting people we can talk to, you know, at this party where it's just like taking photo yourself you know, in multiple poses and have nothing to say to people. So when you have a friend that you can actually have a good chat, you're like so excited about yes. um, meeting up with them. There is something which I, I get quite attracted to you because of the whole Chinese big sister thing. Yeah. I mean, every time that we see one another, there's a whole kind of like list of things that you kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. preach. 
No, like the, 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 yeah, you do the dragon mon thing. Like, oh my god, high achiever. That's my mother. <laughs> <laughs> There's a mutual understanding of where this kind of theory comes from, and that is really helpful. Being Chinese, living in the Western world, and having that heritage within us, yeah. and both of us probably are similar that way. I suppose. Absolutely. I, I think that is where. The bonding happened. Oh gosh, do you remember the time that Jimmy Choo had an event, and I needed a friend, and I called you, but for, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And then when we arrived, you were like, "Da da!" You showed really up. Funny. I was so You're like, grateful. "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "Well, what do you mean? What I'm doing here? <laughs> I'm here. I got invited. <laughs> I got invited." Look, but that that is that's the beauty of it. But also having. You know, being in the fashion industry, I think having true friendship that you can count on, that you can actually be honest to, yeah, is to me is very important. Just because I don't have that many friends, and you you know lots of people, but then yeah, it's getting down to that real thing, the kind of work that you get into. I mean, DJ around the globe is quite a title, but then. That's to do with other music. It was work, yeah, exactly. To do, it's it was a, it was a really fun time. I think I really enjoyed it, but also I'm really happy that that side of things kind of evolve.、Um, you know, how many fashion parties can we go in our lifetime <laughs> and still enjoy it? No, not many, not anymore. <laughs> and then you know, for you, I mean, I get quite green-eyed just because you can dip in and out of it. I mean, often that you've made yourself. Um, rather involved over the last few years in the fashion industry, DJing and walking down the catwalk and just kind of being, being shown, you know, almost kind of taking the Mimi style to show fashion, and that to me is really real and authentic. But the fact that you can actually dip back into your profession, I mean, you and your music, which is huge. Music has always been the main thing. Fashion is kind of a byproduct of、uh, where you're gonna put the music out. So, for instance, during the season of show, there was no show or very little show.、Mm. It was really satisfying to score the music from my studio and not having to travel to New York, having go to Milan, and be able to. Still, actually, creating original score because every all the brand are making con- like film now rather than、mm. you know show basically most of the time. So there is、um, kind of an interesting pivot for in in line what I do with what has happened. What have you learned so far? I mean, to do real work. I mean, obviously, you're like a busy bee forever in my eyes. So travel was definitely on and off the plane, and you're very. You've got the tenacity to do that. Do you miss it? I I don't because I felt it was a bit wrong, like that I would go to、um, Tokyo for the weekend. I would go, you know, Ibiza for ten hours for a party. It's highly unsustainable and kind of wrong. Also, these travel are complete incoherence. It's not like you're on tour. You go to Japan, then you have you tour in Asia. No, you go to Tokyo, and next day you're in Moscow. So it's really not. Yeah, it's not great for the planet, I would say. So no. The, so I don't miss that. This COVID experience that is still ongoing really make me rethink how we can be much more thoughtful and responsible in the way we travel, we we eat, the way we shop. This is an opportunity to really rethink how we can make a change, and for me to 
go to Tokyo for a weekend. Mm, I don't think I'm going to do that. I think that may be the future. And this is what I love about you. You're honest. You're so honest about what you just said. So how has the inspiration for making the new pieces of music been in during the last few months? Has it changed the way that you feel emotionally? So therefore your art becomes something else, something different. I'm working on the next album and it's, it's much more introspective, emotional, and even the lyrics is quite, you know, you try to reflect the, the feelings that kind of melancholia, I would say, into my work. It's great time to experiment. I think you you come with that domain actually. You you are you are you're one that doesn't have afraid of much. And if you know, you just need to say the word and you are there. And this is the spirit of Mimi that I always admire. You'd be like that too, Sandra. I mean, you know, for you to be in the industry for so long and you still innovate with great design and you still manage to, you know, even I think I think also to be honest, like, I think working in in the industry, it's also political. So you have you have to deal with the creativity, the business side, the political side of everything. It's a lot. And you are a mother. And the wife, it's a lot for one. I'm just a high achiever on one, which is music, performance, art, cultural. And I'm terrible as a housewife, like absolutely disaster, as we can tell. <laughs> I think it's, it's that thing of you know, always kind of look for something. The grass is always greener next door. The, the, the fact that there's lots of things that I love to do. I love to probably see things more, experiment more. Where Mimi's concerned, she's still... I'm just experimenting. I don't have to take anyone to school. <laughs> <laughs> See? Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I, I think I think I admire you for being able to do that. And I don't think I'm made for that. I just admire other women who are able to multitask like that. How does it work How, in, in what you do? What is the design process? Mm, probably like you. I always collect information and I always collect references. And my phone is my best friend, I suppose, for that. And when I started to have to think about a new collection, I flick through my phone okay, to a yeah, certain yeah, yeah. image or a certain um. note that I've made parked for whatever reason. Then I start thinking around that subject, that picture, that piece of information. And then I try to build a story around it if it's still relevant. But at the same time, I have to marry it with the way that I feel and think about where we're heading. So I kind of need to estimate in my head, oh, this time next year, what will happen? Where where will the world be? What will people yeah. actually be wearing? Because yeah. I always think that, you know, shoes and bags go with the clothing and we don't do clothing. So no. there's a little bit of that that you'd have to think about. But at the same time, a bit like, you know, for, for the collection that is installed now, which is autumn, winter 2020, yeah. at the time when I was building the collection, COVID didn't happen, it was all about, I want to treasure craft and I want to look after the beauty of what, what the past generation has created. How do you foresee what, what might happen next year? Like how, obviously you didn't foresee COVID, but how did you foresee um, design-wise that, you know, maybe next year people might want a chunky heel or a square toe? Well, a few things. I mean, Jimmy Choo, obviously Jimmy Choo is established and, you know, there's a few things that's come with Jimmy Choo, the confidence, the glamour, yeah. the playfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the essence of it. But I see that sometimes it is all about what do I believe in? What do I want to wear? 
what you know if the trousers are a bit longer you need the heel to be higher if there's more volume you need more volume also on the shoes to support it or there are times you completely throw it opposite so that yeah. you make something new yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. unheard of but you have to go on believing it from day dot because it's a process designing is a process so as you know we started let's say january you kind of move through the the four months that you actually put the collection together and you 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 progress with it and to a certain point you hear what's going on but at the same time you put it back under the umbrella of Jimmy Choo. I always use your chunky boots. I love them. I know. You you like a bit of volume. I do the chunky. I'm too lazy. Oh, I love a bit of volume. <laughs> you like the extra height and you you I mean, come on, you're a dancer and we both know that. I need comfortable. I can't dance on exactly. it's very hard for me to dance on high heels. And you move around I mean you are party popper. <laughs> when you DJ you are standing up for yes. two hours if not three so if the shoes are uncomfortable your night is ruined and you can't you know you can't even walk after that so so for me like the basis of a good night out working or just um, dancing it's shoes everything come from the shoes oh, what, what was your upbringing like? I don't think we ever come across it actually a little bit but not enough so uh, my family's from the Isle of Wight. I was born on the Isle of Wight. Wow. Yes. I don't even know whether you know where There's that is. There's a good festival there. I know. I know. Great, very good yes. music festival. And there it's is beautiful. Cow's Wheat sa- sailing. Mm. There's lots of sailing that goes on. How did they end up there? So my grandfather came over from Hong Kong in the s- probably 50s and landed in Liverpool. And mm. at that point, he kind of like started to, he's a cook, he was a cook and he worked in restaurants and he wanted to start a new life with his family and had to pinpoint a place on the United Kingdom to find a restaurant to actually invest into. And he, he was picking either the Isle of Wight or Aberdeen. <laughs> he was trying to identify a place where the Chinese are not there so he can uh. be the first. So we were the first Chinese on the Isle of Wight. That is so he had vision quite quite original. I love that. And what what was it like to be kind of a Hong Kong Hong Kong Chinese in Isle of Wight at that time? I have no idea because I was sent back to Hong Kong to live to grow up with my grandparents. And you know that yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in Chinese there's yeah. lots of that going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the age of eight months. So I oh. went back to Hong Kong without my parents. Yeah, yeah. And then came back when I was thirteen. I remember coming back in 1985 and that was like from Hong Kong to the Isle of Wight was quite shocking yeah that must be <laughs> wow that it was just, extreme that's yeah. very extreme I mean I literally arrived at the doorstep with my hair half shaven because I was really into the Japanese kind of youth culture thing with a oversized pasty shirt baggy jeans and white sh- lace-up shoes and I think I thought my mom looked at me like she couldn't know how to receive me. Oh my god, that is that's a extreme, quite an extreme change of uh, life. I knew that you grew up in Paris. I grew up in Paris. My father's acoustic architect, so he built opera houses and museum, anything mm. um, related to sound and architecture. That is what he does. What and then we went to Copenhagen. So I was, you know, the only non blonde kid at my schools but I always I, I think I'm only child so I'm always used to be the odd person in the room and I kind of 
made it um, work for me. Mm-mm. Norm is a bit boring for me, so you know I don't have a problem with that. Did you travel back to Asia to no. see some any families? No, not at all. Well, because wow. I have a, a huge um, side of my dad is all they're all in Paris. They all live in mm. France, and my side of my mum they were in between Hong Kong and Shanghai, mm-hmm. and we did few trips. But it's not. I didn't live there. I didn't. I didn't like stay long enough to really. That's why my Chinese is terrible, and I can't. I can't read it, and you know, I can order food, which is important. <laughs> Most important thing to yes. know in languages. But yeah, I was I grew up in Denmark and in Paris. I always think that you're a nomad. I get bored fi- living five years is my maximum kind of yes. time to stay somewhere. London has been quite great. It's been seven years. I'm still here. I actually, do you know, I arrived one Christmas. So it would have been the following year. It was bizarre. And I just remember... Um, chocolate. There was a lot of chocolate around. And growing up in Hong Kong, there isn't that. And yeah. my grandparents made sure that we had Christmas dinner um, in Hong Kong, just so that that ritual has been um, covered. And they're not even religious. Um, but coming back to the Isle of Wight for that Christmas, it was just lots of chocolate. It was lo- mountains of food. And my parents, for once, they weren't working. And that was really bizarre because they have always worked. <laughs> You know, in a, you know, in 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 a Chinese family, when when the business is about the restaurant, and you know, you probably know this, Mimi, that that you 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 work all the time, and the time that you get to spend with your parents is very limited. So even on holidays, in the summer holidays, we never went anywhere. It was Christmas days, Boxing Day, that are the two days that they're always there. They're always there available as a family they didn't have to rush off to open the 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 restaurant they didn't have to we watch tv i mean very normal thing but it wasn't quite there what are you doing for christmas great question i don't know sandra do you know because i'm i feel like we're we're living day by day considered everything change you know like how many people we're allowed to see what Mm. bubble my parents are in paris Okay, we will but see. What, what do you normally like to do? What, what does Mimi there's want ne- to do? There's if, never if a norm. That, there's nothing. There's never a norm. Every year is different. One is that in India. One is Ibiza. I I love um, Christmas, New Year, in Ibiza. You should think about it. Would you travel? Would you go? Mm, we did that last year. We took the girls to um, Finland, so oh, we nice. went in searching for Father oh, yeah. Christmas. Yeah, and we were lucky to have kind of like bagged that one in, and that was lovely. So. Wow. The Scandinavians have a completely different way of celebrating Christmas. Um, I remember as a kid, you start celebrating Christmas pretty much the whole month of December. So every day it's you have this ritual that you, you have this calendar with 31 chocolates. And every day you will open a chocolate to, until the Christmas day. And the way the, Dan- the Danish people do Christmas tree is extraordinary. It's aesthetically one of the best. And it's, it's, and the stories are different. It's not Santa Claus. It's a, have a whole, they have their own, own story about Father Christmas. It's not Santa Claus. It's a different guy. It's like a whole, it's a fairy tale. You know, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I have my best memory of Christmas in Denmark, six years old. How about you, Sandra? What's your, what's your best, best Christmas? Christmas? Yeah. Uh, best, I don't know. I have so many. I think my Christmas is to 
revolve around children now that we have them. I think packing up and going somewhere. I mean, I've taken the kids over to Hong Kong twice now. Yeah. So, and and the fact that they can remember part of it. I mean, this is this is just a slight childhood dream because growing up in Hong Kong, um, I remember the most important hotel is the Peninsula. So at one Christmas, we managed to have a friend's help and got ourselves into the peninsula. Oh, wow. With the girls. Wow. Yes. yes. Amazing. And, you know, peninsula in the Kowloon site is not as tall as all the other new newer buildings. And the aura of it, it was just a typical, you know, overwhelming Christmas week that yeah, we had. Yeah, yeah. And the service and everything. And the girls, it was just like a magical land like Christmas just came alive and the girls were I remember Simon being very little and she thought that she was in a storybook oh wow <laughs> which is quite sweet that is, so that, it is I think true that, would be that in Hong Kong they do amp up the Christmas in a, to the nines you know, to the nines yeah it's yeah. extreme yeah. Christmas but, it, but for kids it must be like absolutely amazing exactly so what would be your ideal outfit for the holiday season for this year, I'm quite excited actually, just because we had come up with these house party slippers. <gasps> really? By Jimmy Choo. No, uh-huh. I want one. Uh-huh. No. So back in probably May time when we were thinking ahead and thinking that we have to cancel this, make the collection smaller and so on. The one thing we kept for holiday season were these oozing comfort Fault for slippers that we came up with and they're kind of like dazzled with crystals and pearls and just the idea of them made me want to kind of get to Christmas. I just think that people might get together, but in a smaller format and in a much more intimate format. And I'm just can't wait for their delivery. That's amazing because I have a non-shoe policy at home. So everyone's barefoot. And if you so have Chinese. This- so Asian, clean. I'm sorry, clean. You don't want to bring German to your house. So I always struggle to find good slipper to wear at home that look cool. Um. So what are you going to wear? Do you have a Christmas jumper? I, I I expect you have a Christmas jumper. You know what? I did have one. But I, I think Christmas should just be, it can be chic. It should be chic. It's not gimmicky. You know, I'm not going to dress like a Santa Claus. I think it need, you need to be chic and comfortable because it's also about with family you don't have to impress, but you just want to have a Make little effort. little effort for yourself, but comfortable. Yeah, and also yeah. quite loose on the um, on the top, so you can <laughs> eat a lot. No tight clothes, I think. Yeah, what are you gonna cook on Chris- on Christmas Day? What do you normally cook? So what I would do is a ritual that I've instilled in the family. So on Christmas Eve, it's always Chinese. So I will oh, cook wow. on Christmas Eve. Hmm. Um, just so that I can get to the get kitchen and own it myself. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it would be the usual, you know, yeah. the, the the poultry, the, I mean, prawns, and there's always seafood and veg, and oh, there's wow. a whole kind of chaban and dumplings. And then on Christmas Day, Tam cooks, husband cooks, oh. and, and he tried many different combinations. And I remember one time when, when he tried to do venison and some kind of, cherry sauce and he spent hours on it but wow. the girls were only like, like three years old they didn't, like <laughs> they didn't appreciate it oh, and no. he was so or upset or this or effort. <laughs> yes or, or they only wanted effort. broccoli 
<laughs> well, that's good that kids eat broccoli. That's the hardest thing Ours to get do. them. Oh, that's good. You trained them well, think... Sandra. You trained them well. What are you looking forward to 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 beyond 2020, darling? 20, beyond 2020, I think I want to finish um, all the music project that uh, I've been working on in the last three months. But there's a few interesting kind of zone, interesting area that music related that I want to spend more time that is related to well-being, I would say, just in a more mm. general um, sense. So mm-hmm. I think sound can really affect um, our mental health and our physical yes. health at the same time. So mm-hmm. I like to explore that side of things uh, a bit more. So, But that is your professional side and that is your skill. But how about for Mimi? What are you going to do for Mimi? For Mimi, I bought a flat in Brussels. Mimi need to renovate that flat. And that is <laughs> going to be difficult. <laughs> because I'm not like you, Sandra. I'm not good with electricians or de- designing the furniture. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a nightmare. It's a good COVID project, I would say. Oh, so you're, you're once again packing your bag, packing escaping. Around. Escaping. How about you? What's your... Um, I think, you know what, with the lockdown and the COVID situation, I think I've learned so much because I never thought that I can work away from the office. I've never tried. During the lockdown, we were in the country just because the kids were out of school and we just thought the office is closed. And it was so incredible because it's one time that I've never been given in my working life. I mean, having worked for so long for me. Just for me, just to be yeah. able to actually go for a walk without feeling wow. guilty. Yeah, and and that and that was really kind of like enlightening. Um, I'm I'm trying to figure out how sh- do we actually want to do what we do and how do we actually make better decisions going forward. But going into 2021 and beyond, yeah. I think I am going to remind myself to be more organized so yeah. I can actually be away from the office and have some more time for myself just mm. because I think it's it's easy to kind of get into the rhythm of okay we need to do this and and, and the process is that but to stop and re- to rethink now that I had a chance to do that because of what happened earlier yeah. this year yeah I want to do that a bit more so that you can actually make, can make better decisions time for yourself yeah exactly so and and you know at my age, I need to kind of start looking after myself as well. Yeah, Whether it's yeah. well-being or mentally or just to to kind of get out of the full war and be more ex- inspired and look beyond the obvious. Yeah. I think those are the those are the bits I really want to do. And like you said, you know, I want to make better decisions. I want to influence the rest of the team to make better decisions yeah, and yeah. steer steer, steer my right. yeah. universe yeah. that way. I think because we we've both been like extremely busy in the last year, we didn't had time to meet for a meal just two of us. You know, it's with it's with the work content. It's kind of it's kind of thing that we should do more. You know, post COVID, maybe just yes. don't just leave the husband at home. We just do girls <laughs> dinner. You know, because more flexible. I'll pin you down for that. Celebrating Togetherness was brought to you by Netta Porte and Chalk and Blade. Hosted by Sarah Bailey and Alice Casely-Hayford and produced by Laura Hyde. The executive producer was Ruth Barnes. <laughs>